Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Extra fee if you give birth in the taxi. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Better, stronger, faster. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Whatever happens, don't make a scene. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Yeah, this isn't going to work out. Hello, everyone. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. Welcome to episode 100 of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is so exciting. We're at our 100th episode. 100 times around the track with each other. <laughs> around, you make it sound so fun and fulfilling, Amy. 100 <laughs> slogs around the track. I kind of can't believe that we've done this many. I know. I mean, we started about two years ago. October 2016 was our first one. So two and a half, really. Two and a half years ago. And uh, we've discussed it. I can't say we've discussed it all because we're hoping to do another 100 episodes, but we've discussed so many things. Right. And we were trying to figure out how we were going to commemorate 100 episodes and what haven't we discussed yet and what don't we know about each other yet. And we figured out that there are probably still a few things that we don't know about each other. And we're going to try to trip each other up today with a little true or false. We're going to explore true or false with Amy and Margaret. Right. These are just fun facts that we are giving each other and we have to decide whether or not they're true or false. Some of them are parenting related. Some of them are marriage related. And some of them are just completely random fun facts. I'm going to start with an easy one. Okay. I think it's an easy one for you. True or false, Margaret. My mother had a baby when I was a sophomore in college. I mean, true. True. Yeah, I know that one. Listeners at home know that one. I mean, this is the other fun thing. We figure when we first started this podcast, God bless all of you who were with us for podcast number one, which was basically like my sisters, my dad, and then luckily Amy's like five siblings, you know? (laughs) So we are assuming not everybody has been with us from the first second of conception of this podcast, if you will excuse the parenting pun. And so maybe some of these fun facts are new to you. Amy's mom had a baby when she was a sophomore in college. That's a fun fact. It's really true. Oh, Amy, we almost skipped something. What? When we mention this fact, we have to take a moment of silence for Nancy Wilson. (laughs) And as usual... You laughed through our moment of silence, which, you know, is fine. But we just, we shout out to Nancy Wilson. We love you. You know, over the moment of silence, I prefer to lean in and acknowledge her many accomplishments. We used to have lunch mothers back in the day at my elementary school. I suppose that's an old deluxe alert. Back in my day. You can imagine when a lunch mother was, there was no such thing as a stay-at-home father. So the stay-at-home moms would show up and, you know, sell the milks and the pizza on Tuesdays and kind of maintain order in the cafeteria. She was a lunch mother for 27 years. Yeah, I mean. (laughs) Consecutive, 27 consecutive years. She had a child in that school. So yes, and this is the other crazy part is this is an actual full sibling. Same two parents for me and my brother who was born when I was 19. And I love the fact that they came to college and they were like, sit down, we have to talk to you. And you were like, you're getting divorced. And they were like, no, no, we're having a baby. You could have given me 500 guesses and the first 499 would be like, so you are getting a divorce. Like I wouldn't have, I, 
<laughs> and that you had no reason to suspect they were unhappy, but it just seemed like that's what parents come to college to announce to their kids. What else could people your age, right, have to have driven three hours to tell me? Right. But then they were kind of like giggly. It was, it was, oh. as Nancy Wilson likes to say, you could have knocked me over with the feather. I was pretty surprised. Well, I will say also for Nancy Wilson, like, obviously guys, I mean, Amy and I are basically have no background in parenting expertise, except for having been parents. And then a lot of, I think our parenting expertise comes from having had mothers of our own, but (laughs) Nancy Wilson is a font of knowledge. And I will say that like, if I had Nancy Wilson's life story, like if I was cafeteria mom for 27 years, I would be probably incarcerated somewhere (laughs) and like completely miserable and full of rage. And Nancy Wilson is just a human ray of sunshine. Like she's always in a great mood. Yeah. She seems really happy with her life. Yep. She's really uh, very positive and she listens to every episode. So thanks. Oh, Nancy. Um, for being we salute there. you. Nancy Wilson t-shirts coming soon. <laughs> right. Watch the merch for those. Okay. I will give you one. I'm not sure if you know if this is true or false, but let's just try it. I came extremely close to giving birth in the car with my first baby. Uh, I'm going to say that that's true. It is true. Wow. (laughs) My first baby was, I was like almost 42 weeks pregnant. I was so overdue. And so I was being induced on a Monday, I must've been. And on Saturday morning, we'd gone out for fried seafood the night before. Like who does that when you're 42 weeks pregnant? It was the stupidest thing to ever do. I God, I couldn't even eat. I mean, I was way over pregnant with my last kid and you just like, there's no room for your lungs, let alone food. There's no room at the inn. I don't know. For some my mom had flown in. I was due originally September 12th. It was September 24th. So my mom and I had just been like sitting around staring at each other for whatever, 14 days. And We went out for fried seafood and I woke up the next morning and I was like, God, I really don't feel good. I should not have eaten fried shrimp. And then it kind of passed and I was like, oh, maybe actually I'm okay. And then five minutes later, I was like, no, I really don't feel good. And I finally realized like it was happening every five minutes. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I think this might be labor. It felt so different than what I was expecting. But I still wasn't really sure. So I'd heard if you take a hot shower, sometimes I can move things along. So I got up and I took like a really, really scalding hot shower. And about halfway through the shower, I was like, I think I have to kneel down. I'm really not feeling good. Like, I don't think I can stay on my feet anymore. And I managed to get up and get dressed. And my mom, I said, I'm really not feeling good. I'm definitely in labor. And she said, oh, you should go to the hospital right now. And of course, having read like two books that were like, whatever you do, don't rush to the hospital. Right. I was like, no mom, we don't have to rush to the hospital. These days. The number one thing they tell you is don't go too early. And so about, I don't know, maybe five minutes later, I was like doubled over the sink in the kitchen, like not able to move. My mother almost picked my husband up by the lapel and was like, you have to take her to the hospital right now. And we were kind of like, okay, crazy. I guess we will. And by the time I got to the car, I couldn't sit down to put my seatbelt on. And so I rode to the hospital, like kneeling in the front seat, hugging. I was going to say, did you lie across the back? I couldn't lay down either. I like kneeled and hugged the back of the seat. Like, I don't know if you can picture it, but like, instead of having my butt in the seat, I have my knees in the seat. Luckily, we live five minutes from the hospital. And we got to the hospital and I was really in agony. And I got out of the car and I kind of walked up to the front desk. I said, David, you have to drop me. I don't think I can stay in the car anymore. I walked to the front desk. And the lady was like, oh, hello, you know, what's your social security number, your check-in number, whatever the things they give you to get ready. And I started throwing up in her garbage can and I grabbed her and I was like, I have to see a doctor right now. And she then starts rolling her eyes at me like, okay, crazy. Yep. Okay, mommy. I started like screaming, like, I have to lie down. I have to lie down. And they really did think I was just like a hysterical person. And the minute I laid down, a nurse was like, well, we'll check you. And she oh, she pulled the sheet up and she was like, oh, blonde hair. And I was having the baby. That was how my first baby was born. Were you screaming? I get stuck on this story because in my first baby, I was. I went to the hospital. They patted me on the head like, you're not in labor, mommy. I mean, I was, but they sent me home to labor at home where I could rest. And I stayed up 
all night laboring alone at home, which I guess is better than the hospital, but not really. But I can't imagine. Oh, it's not better, but they just don't want you taking up their bed. They don't want to deal with you. Yeah. So, but I can't imagine getting that, like, were you just like yelling and awake the dead? I can't believe you made it that far. I mean, there was a part of me that was raised in enough of an Irish Catholic family that was like, whatever happens, don't make a scene. Like I was in (laughs) agony. I was delivering a baby, you know, and I was still like, I don't want to bother you. And then what ended up happening, and I didn't even realize this was how childbirth worked, but by the time I probably was five minutes, by the time I walked in and they got me into a bed and the doctor came over and she was, what do you call it? Resident? Yeah. Yeah. She had a resident with her, right? Like the learning doctor. The little learning doctor. That's what it's called. (laughs) She said to the resident, like, well, we're going to check how much she's dilated. And if she's, you know, not dilated, we'll get up and make her walk. And I remember thinking, like, you better have an army with you if you think I'm getting up to walk. Because, like, there's no way I'm getting up to walk. And I grabbed the doctor by the hand at some point and I said, I'm pushing. And she's like, no, 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 you're not pushing. We don't want you pushing yet. And I was like, I don't care what you want. (laughs) Like that thing that happens when you start pushing out a baby is like- The body's doing it. Your whole body, your body is contracting from like your neck muscles to like your feet muscles. And I was like, I don't know what you do or don't want me doing, but this is what's happening. I mean, it was like a movie. She literally lifted the sheet and she was like, oh, baby head. Oh, sorry. No, but nobody said sorry. Nobody was like, oh, sorry. We didn't believe you were listening to you or- (laughs) Well, it happened pretty fast. It just all was like, they couldn't believe that I was, and then the nurses were all laughing and they're like, have you ever seen one closer than that? Like somebody coming in with a baby coming out of them. And one of the nurses was like, yeah, I had one. I had to go out to the parking lot. Good Lord. The car ride is the worst part. So I got to the hospital, you know, not in labor enough with number one. And they sent me home, and this is in a taxi because it's New York City. So I have to go home in a taxi, which is pretty unpleasant. But then once my like water breaks and it's eight hours later and I'm, you know, like this baby is coming and coming soon, I have to get back in a taxi and go across town to the hospital and talk about like trying to be a good patient. I'm apologizing to this taxi driver the whole way who's very worried that I'm going to give birth in this taxi or just, you know, who knows what could happen back there. Right. He's like extra fee if you give birth in the taxi. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had towels and oh, it was, yeah. You definitely don't, making women in labor get back in the car for another couple of, you know, I don't know, a couple of miles in a taxi is not, not what anybody should be doing. No, it's not that fun, but it is a dilemma. Like you can't just hang out. Yeah. It's a tough one. I guess not. I would have rather hung out. And then my second baby, I went into the hospital to get induced because they're like, they basically said like, if you had a first baby, I was in labor for like, I don't know, 45 minutes. Like it was so, so short. And so they said, we're going to induce your second baby at 40 weeks because we don't want you to like have it on the, you won't make it to the hospital basically. And I went in to get induced and they were having a lot of deliveries that day. So they were too busy to induce me. So I just sat around all day and was bored. And then... I started labor on my own and I had him like 37 minutes later. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Lucky. I mean, kind of, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I've never, I I don't know the joy of medicated childbirth. So there's that too, you know, like you can't have an epidural or anything. It's too late. It's all like swept into a pile for you. Yeah. I mean, it's like, there's pros and cons. Like I'm very grateful that I didn't have like 48 hours of like, constant agony, but like there is kind of a downside to the 27 minute one too. All right. Admittedly. It's basically like just unbelievable, crazy, overwhelming, like (laughs) agony for 45 minutes. I mean, you know, listen, it's probably better than doing it the long way, but as we often say on the podcast, Amy, the good news and the bad news is the same news. It's a double-edged sword, you know? Yeah. And now you've made it into art. Yes. <laughs> art. Yes. <laughs> Depending on how loosely you're willing to define art, I suppose. Okay. We haven't stumped each other yet. No, I think we might know each other too well, but here's a very quick one we'll leave on. This is just a yes or no. I auditioned for and was admitted to Ringling Brothers Barnabelli Clown College. I know that the answer to this is true. Oh. But nobody else knows that. Give us the brief rundown. I didn't want to go to college. I'd been a bad student in high school. I was kind of lost. I was like, I think I'll become a clown and join the circus. And so I went and I auditioned 
And I can't really remember whether or not it was like fully admitted. I never went through that process, but I definitely in the course of auditioning was like, yeah, the circus life is not for me. Even during the audition, I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work out. But I did seriously consider for a while going to clown college and becoming a circus clown. I have a friend from college who went to clown college, you know, completed that. It was, I think, a two-year training program. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's no joke. It's like a big commitment. Yeah. Did the tears, the training program, you know, got on the train. Like I'm part of the circus now. And after like five days on the train, it's like, oh, hell no. And yeah, <laughs> hitchhiked to New York City because that was... He had to back out of that. So I didn't want to do it after all. Yeah, I had that. I mean, whatever your friends saw, I saw like the third of the way through the audition. I was like, oh, oh, this is a <laughs> I'm not going to get through the two years of clown college to realize this is not where I want to be. So there's takeaways. We always have takeaways in this episode's takeaway. There's your takeaway. Don't go to clown college. It's not as good as it sounds. All right, guys, we'll be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby's skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Amy, we're back. What do you got for me? Okay. True or false? I have been interviewed by Child Protective Services. Um, False. True. I have been. Uh <laughs> What happened? Uh, I will say, Amy, this may add to our cred on the podcast. I have also been interviewed by Child Protective Services. What? All right. Should I go first? Yes. You know how everybody has one kid? This is a whole episode. <laughs> Everybody's got that kid. Only one of my children has ever had stitches. My child who has had stitches had four sets of stitches before his fourth birthday. And the other two have never had any. Right. Everybody's got one of those kids if you've got, you know, a couple. And like one time he fell out of his high chair and that was my fault because he wasn't properly strapped in. And then another time he just would like fall. He just hit his head on the counter and we wouldn't know what happened. So he, <laughs> I was at the emergency room with him like three months after I'd been there the first time. Like the first time it was his eyebrow and now it's his ear. And he was two. I mean, he was you know, a little verbal and was, you know, driving his Hot Wheels happily, like alongside the bed he was supposed to be lying down on. He was playing in the room and I had brought him toys and snacks and books and stuff because we were going to have to wait for the plastic surgeon again to sew up his eyebrow. And he's driving the cars and somebody comes in and sits down 
and they review the whole story and they say like, you know, so what happened? And I start to say, and they're like, no, let, let him tell me. Like all of a sudden, like the scales fell from my eyes. Like, oh, this is like- This is the real deal. This is the real deal. And I guess, you know, it's a funny story because I live the kind of life where I, you know, have a kid who could say, fell down. And they're like, well, how did you fall down? You know, fell down kitchen, like that kind of thing. And I think they sort of looked at him with his- toys and snacks and books and realized, okay, this is a kid who's being provided for. But yeah, I did get the uh, close supervision of CPS. Yes. How about you? I had a very similar story, which is I was actually with my nephew. He ran headfirst into, I was watching him for my sister-in-law. They were going on a trip. My sister-in-law had not even left for the trip. She was pregnant at the time and she was at an OB appointment. So she'd only left him for like an hour and then she was going to leave for like four days. An hour in, he and his brother were running around. They had like a house that had, you know, like an open, like the living room had a hallway that went down to the kitchen and then a door that came back out to the living room. And then, you know, you could run in a big circle basically. And they were doing that. And my nephew slipped somehow and fell face first, right into the, where the wall hits. Oh. So like the, you know, the corner of the wall face first and is bleeding insanely. And I'm like, and I was with this, my sister-in-law's brother, we were babysitting together and uh, he's just like crying like crazy. We're mopping up blood like crazy people. And we're like, I don't know. Do you think we have to take him to the, you know, hospital? And my brother-in-law's like, he's Fine. Oh no. And as he's mopping up the blood, I'm like, oh no, that's a skull I can see. Like, but it's only like when you think about it, your face is so little right there by your skull. Like yep. but he had cut it all the way down. Yep. And I was like, I think once you see the skull, it's time to call the ambulance. We drove him to the hospital. And same thing. He had been in the hospital like three times that year. And so they gave me the full sit down interview. And I was like, <laughs> and of course I was like, I barely know this kid. Like it's not my problem. I was only on watch for one of these things. So I think it added to the confusion that there were like different people involved in supervising him. But anyway, my sister-in-law was able to retain him. But I also had that with my oldest kid who fell. We had a bunch of kids over and we have a really oddly funny shaped house. And it's like a triangle shaped house, like a ski chalet picture. And so there's a room at like the bottom of the triangle. That's like our playroom basically. But the nice thing about it is you can shut the door. And so we had a bunch of people over for dinner and we shut the kids in the triangle room. And we were like, it's the movie theater, go to the movie theater. We set up a movie, we had popcorn, we had like seats all set up. And so we'd made it, we'd transform. I mean, believe me, all we did was put beanbags down and turn the movie on. But you know, we were like, oh, it's the movie theater, it's the movie theater. What could happen, right? They're gonna sit down and watch a movie. What could happen? It's dark. So my son gets up to like get more popcorn or whatever, trips somehow and lands like eye first, you know, into the coffee table and isn't badly injured, but does end up with like a gigantic black eye. And I send him to school the next day, not even thinking about it. And they call me from the school, the school nurse calls. And she's like, hi, we're wondering what's going on with his eye. And I say, oh, oh, so what happened is he fell in our playroom at home. You know, he tripped over something and fell, no big deal. And she's like, ah, he says he got hurt at the movie theater. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my story doesn't match. <laughs> and then of course I had to like scramble and be like, no, no, see, we transformed the playroom into a movie theater. And that's why he said movie theater. But anyway, uh, again, I'm still free, but th there's <laughs> nothing like that interview to make you panic. I thought this was more uncommon than it perhaps is since we're both like two for two have been interviewed you multiple times. Amy, Amy, <laughs> I was only interviewed by official child protective services once. That's okay? true. That's true. Don't hurt my brand, please. The other one was just a school incident, please. Just a school nurse. It was a referral deferred. You managed to step yeah. in in time. Well, there's just things that trigger it. Like the multiple hospitalizations, they keep that stuff at a computer now and it automatically triggers it. So, I mean- it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, people. We're great parents. We have every right to host a parenting podcast. Is it your turn or my turn? I forget whose turn it is now. That was a both share. It's your turn. Uh, no, no, no. That was you. Child protection service. All right. Here's mine. I once fell asleep on a city bus in San Francisco and woke up in the abandoned bus terminal at 2 a.m. in Cow Palace in San Francisco. 
I mean, I'm going to say you did that for sure. True. <laughs> it's actually false. Oh, well. but it, it did happen to my sister. <laughs> and then what? She somehow wended her way home from Cow Palace. I mean, it's also funny because if you anyone who's from or has been to San Francisco, the bus terminal ends at this place called Cow Palace, which I guess used to be like the livestock yards of San Francisco. But it's like the one place you never want to be is Cow Palace. Like you, every all hope is lost. So yeah, my sister somehow like got off the bus and found like a human and was able to call a taxi at the time. It was before Ubers and like make her way home from Cow Palace. Oh my but, god. We've never let her live it down in my house, <laughs> Cow Palace. She, she's a good sleeper. She missed the whole... Yeah, you missed the whole ride. I mean, apparently, there's a famous story in my family that my aunt used to drive down to the train station every night and wait for her husband. And then she would scream at him through the train windows because he was always asleep on the train. <laughs> and then if she couldn't rouse him, she would just have to wait until he called from whatever station he woke up at. And then she would have to go get him. <laughs> this sounds like a Charlie Kaufman screenplay, right? Like a sweet movie about the man who falls asleep on the train. Yeah, it has that vibe. This could never happen to me because fun fact about me, I am a horrible sleeper and like I've never fallen asleep anywhere by accident. Yeah. Like I am such a bad sleeper that the idea that I would like accidentally fall asleep somewhere, it's just... It's a gift, but one of my kids has that. I always say it's almost like he has like a switch in the back of his neck. He can just be like, night, night, you know, 10 minutes in a car, he's out. He's out. He can just decide, right? I'm going to sleep now. If you could bottle that thing that you have, because exactly, it's like, oh no, it's going to be an hour and a half in the car with traffic. And she's like, all right, just wait when we get there. <laughs> I've never seen a human being with an ability like this in my life. And I'm so jealous of that it. That is, Yeah. I want to take the like sleeper chip out of her head and put it in my own head. It's a sleeper chip. That's exactly what it is. Oh, so jealous. I have whatever the exact opposite of the sleeper chip is. I have the like ability to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and think about all the cares of my world. <laughs> you and I are very alike in that way. Yeah. I have one for you. True or false, my kids stalked Gwyneth Paltrow all the way to her car one time. I know that that is true. It's true. It's true. My oldest, who's now in high school, was in summer camp with Apple Martin, Gwyneth Paltrow's daughter. And I knew that this was the case because she was on the class list and asked him, is there a girl named Apple in your class? And he was like, I don't know. I mean, this, he's like five years old at the time. I go to pick him up one day from this little summer camp and she's there. Like you can immediately tell when you enter the room and all the counselors are like, ah, like laughing a little too loudly and like flipping their hair a little bit too. Like there just was this energy, like she's here. And then I find her, oh, she's over in the block corner, you know, telling Apple it's time to go home. And we're walking out together, Gwyneth and Apple and me and Connor, we're walking towards the parking lot and I'm just sort of like, I'm walking right next to Gwyneth Paltrow, like act normal, act normal, don't look right or left. And Connor's like, knock, knock. And <laughs> there's silence. <laughs> and then she says, uh, Apple, that little boy is saying knock, knock to you. And Apple's like, <laughs> who's there? Boo, boo, hoo, why are you crying? It's only a joke. And Gwyneth Paltrow's like, oh, that was a good one. Okay, bye. And he's like, knock, knock. And oh. <laughs> Gwyneth is like, who's there? And so, it's like security, security. He did Aren't You Glad I Didn't Say Banana. He did the- All the hits. All the hits. He walked her all the way to her car, like while she's like putting Apple into her, whatever, like her little booster seat the whole time. Knock, knock. I mean, he has never been more engaged with a stranger than he was. And I was so, like, I couldn't like bring myself to say words, you know, to be like, sorry, Gwyneth Paltrow. I disagree. That's hit material. Oh. I mean, that's straight from the- six-year-old uh, comedy club circuit. I love it. It was amazing. And so the coda to all this is I'm buckling him into his car seat when we finally get to our car. And I'm like, Connor, I asked you about if there was a little girl named Apple in your class. And he's like, I didn't know you meant that girl named Apple. Oh, <laughs> a different person right. named Apple. Oh. That's kids for you. Yeah. Uh, good one. Yeah. One of my babies was breech until 38 weeks. And I had to have that procedure where they oil up your belly and flip them over. I'm going to say that has to be true because it's too terrible to make up. Uh, it is true. And the big spoiler of this story is that my first baby, the 45 minute labor baby was like locked, stuck down breech. And I really, really didn't, I mean, like most people, I didn't want to have a C-section and kept waiting for him to flip. 
And then, of course, like took to the internet. Anyone who's done this will know what I'm talking about. So there's this procedure or procedure. There's this like herbal remedy for breech babies that goes back like tail as old as time. And I think it's called like moxibustion or something. It's M-O-X-I something. And it ends in bustion. <laughs> and moxispontaneous combustion. You have to burn these special Chinese herbs and put the burning embers of the herbs near your little toes. This sounds like I'm making it up. I thought you were going to say near your belly so the baby will like smell it. But no, like near your toes. Okay. Near your toes. Totally plausible. Right? While like playing music at the top of your belly, like you stick like an iPod in between your boobs, hoping that like the baby will be like, what's that awesome music? And like try to come up to it. And I would sit for hours a day with these. First of all, we had to go to Chinatown in LA to find like these, like whatever the burning sticks are that you need to do this procedure. And I did this for like weeks because waiting for the baby to flip. And finally it got to the point where they were like, no, the Chinese herbs haven't worked. The music between iPod between the boobs hasn't worked. Like nothing has worked. Now you have to come in and have this like crazy procedure where they oil up your belly and flip the baby. And it's extraordinarily painful sometimes. And I was like, okay. And so I made this giant mixtape of like calming music and I worked on my breathing exercises and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And the guy came in, oils up the belly. And then like, if it doesn't work, they schedule for this. Yeah. C- they C-section sometimes like right then. Because they've already kind of, you know, they've, yeah, they've been pushing they've on everything. Yeah. Yeah. They're disrupting the home. So I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. And often they, sometimes they break your water when they're doing it, whatever. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. I like get my mixtape going. I'm lying there. I start my deep breathing exercises, And he's like, oh, great. It went great. You're done. Didn't even feel it. He flipped him. Wow. Yeah. I got the magic guy. He was amazing. He walked in, he was like, I did not even know he had started. And boom, they flipped that baby right around. It's called a CSV, some sort of version. I looked it up while you were talking. It is moxibustion. That's what it is. Moxibustion. Man, I la- I put those burn. You guys put a link to it because it's just so silly. I totally will. You can't even picture. It's like two cigars that you put near your little toes. I do want to point out that there was a double Old Locks alert in that story because you talked about iPods and then you talked about a mixtape at the end there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Back in my day. Yeah. So anyway, I got all my oldie locks in and I got my baby flip. Almost as ancient as Moxibustion, the iPod. <laughs> the ancient art of the iPod mixtape. <laughs> Indeed. Almost predating the Chinese herbals. Amy, we'll be right back. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. 
And now, things you'd never think you'd have to say before having kids. Oreos are not a breakfast food. Why are there footprints on the ceiling of the playroom? Please do not rub peanut butter on yourself again. You should never touch your brother's eyeballs for any reason. Legos do not belong inside your body, ever. Tampons are not a toy. No, we cannot take the beach home with us. Stop crying. When I said get off your screens now, I mean now, like the time that is presently now. So not five minutes from now, just regular now. I can't understand what you're saying when you only use your robot voice. Please don't lick the dog. When you are outside, you always need to be wearing pants every time. No, you cannot wear your Darth Vader costume to church. It is not against the rules for your sister to look at you. I do not want to see your penis again today. Do you understand me? This has been Things You'd Never Think You'd Have to Say Before Having Kids from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Amy, you're up. Okay. True or false, I had a brief career as a pregnancy model. So I kind of know that this is true. I don't know if you ever worked as a pregnancy model, but I know you at least considered being a pregnancy model. I went on go-sees is what they call them. Okay, so you attempted, you're a failed pregnancy model is what you are, Amy. I am a failed, I did one job. I was an American baby wearing a some kind of a like, you know, limited edition t-shirt that was raising money for breast cancer research or something. So I'm an American baby wearing this t-shirt. I went on these go-sees, which are to get a modeling job, like you just show up. Everyone knows what go-sees are, Amy, because we watch America's Next Top Model. Okay. All right. So I forget how I got into this, but somebody, I guess it was through acting, right? Somebody was like, oh, you should do pregnancy modeling. It can be lucrative and they need people who look pregnant. And I just, you know, I was blessed with the I look pregnant. But here's the thing. I used to always look at like pictures of models and in, in magazines who are pregnant and I'd be mad, especially when you really are pregnant. Like that person is not pregnant. That is so clearly just like somebody with a pillow stuffed under their shirt. I can tell you having gone on go that these were models who were pregnant. They were models. So they were six feet tall and pregnant and barely looked pregnant. And it was like a deep well of feel bad that I drank from <laughs> regularly. I don't know why I thought this was a good idea. <laughs> oh, drinking from the well of feel bad. Like went on like, you know, like pregnancy bathing suit auditions, right? I fill out like my size card and I'd be like sneaking a glance at the person next to me who was like, you know, 5'11 and 106 pounds pregnant. It didn't go well and I didn't get any jobs. And then when I got pregnant again with my second, I'm like, well, I might as well try it again. And I would basically got the like, don't call us, we'll call you. Oh, failed <laughs> pregnancy was. model. That's that's a yeah, burn. Yeah, because I look pregnant. I also feel like it's 2019, like the fake belly. You can figure that out, guys. Like, why do you need an actual pregnant person? Well, because I think because pregnant women want to see, it's like we're moving beyond, you know, Victoria's Secret to third love. Like we want women to look like women. So the idea ostensibly is like, we need real pregnant women because you'll look actually pregnant, not like a stick with a pillow. But guess what? The models they're hiring were pregnant. They still looked like that though. They were, yes, I can say they're real. They're really pregnant, depressingly enough. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, Amy, I think I'm up. I think you know this one already, but maybe other people don't. I first met my mother-in-law when my husband was in a coma. This is true. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> uh, yeah. So my husband and I were dating we had met and been dating for a while, but not that long, like a couple of months. Like we were newly dating, basically. And my husband had a motorcycle at the time, and we were on his motorcycle riding in the hills above Malibu, California on a beautiful sunny day. And we- I just want to stop you there and be like, were you freaked out at the notion of riding on a motorcycle or were you like, this seems fun? I was not, although the- only, I mean, there were many rules in my family growing up, but like the one overarching rule 
that my mom had was like no motorcycles. So although I enjoyed being on motorcycles, like whenever I was on one, like I might as well have been like, you know, in a gang, a bank robbing gang. Like I felt so guilty whenever I was on a motorcycle because I would just hear my mom's voice being like, no motorcycles, no motorcycles, no motorcycles. And then my husband and I were involved in a fantastic wreck in which my husband was airlifted. I mean, at this time, my new boyfriend was airlifted from the scene, not expected to survive. I was like hurt, but not that badly hurt. And I called after like many complications at the site and, you know, cleaning up from the accident, whatever, not cleaning up, but like waiting for the ambulances to come, whatever. I called my sister when I was on the way to the hospital to find out whether or not my boyfriend had survived. And I called and I was like, we were in an accident. And my sister was like, oh my God, like, I'll meet you at the hospital. How can I help? And and I was like, we were on motorcycles. Don't tell mommy. (laughs) That's what I kept saying all day. I was like, don't tell mom. Don't tell mom I was on a motorcycle. She's like, yeah, I think she's going to find out. Like, I think this word is going to trickle back eventually. And in fact, my mom did find out. And my boyfriend survived and we got engaged. But I had to go through his phone, his cell phone. I didn't know him really at all. And so I had to go through his cell phone and just look for people with his last name and call them and be like, are you related? Oh my God. And I got someone and they were like, yeah, this is his brother. And I was like, hey, so here's the thing. Like we've been in this accident. Somebody needs to fly out. Like we need to figure this out. Yeah. So that's how I met my (laughs) in-laws. Did you shake hands when they came in the room? I'm like, this is the first thing I ever, ever said to my mother-in-law ever was please don't touch me (laughs) because I had been in the accident as well and I was hurt. I wasn't badly hurt, but I'd like sprained all my fingers when they hit the ground. I'd like was black and blue. I was so sore. Like I could barely walk. I was like shuffling my feet. The helmet had hit my face really hard. And so I had black eyes and stuff. So I looked horrible. And so what would happen is people would see me and they would say, oh no. And they would come up and they would go try to, to hug, hug me. You. Yep. <laughs> and it's like the last thing I could, I just did not want anyone to touch. You know, like you've ever like broken your toe or something and you're like, no one get near me. Like you're so paranoid that someone's going to kick your foot. That's how my whole body was. So I just, every time I saw anyone, I was like, do not, I would text people and be like, I need to ride to the hospital. But when you see me, you cannot touch me or hug me. <laughs> like I was so paranoid about anybody squeezing me because I was in a lot of pain. And so the first thing I ever said to my mother-in-law, I got, we met at a Burger King parking lot by the airport so I could take them to the hospital. I couldn't drive. My sister was driving and I got out of the car and I was like, oh, hi, I think you're the people we're looking for. And then they started to come at me and I was like, don't touch me <laughs> with both of my hands in the air. So that's how I met my in-laws. Oh, my God. It's the yeah. most untoppable of untoppable stories. It's I should have probably closed with it because it is a pretty shocking one. No, we're gonna close with this because I need there's so much more. <laughs> there's so much more I need to understand about this. So like, did you know, did you know like his middle name? Like, did you have to like say things? You didn't no. like what's his birthday? You didn't really know like what year he was born. Like, no, I did not know his birthday. Although, fun fact, now I know his birthday and it is the same birthday. As Amy Wilson. You and my husband share a birthday. I don't think I knew that. Wow. Yes, you do. In fact, we were just booking a flight and I was like, what's your birthday? And then I was like, oh, I know your birthday because it's my (laughs) husband's birthday. So the actual story of this is quite crazy because I called my sister from the car. She met me at the hospital. We get there and it's like fairly, I mean, it was an extremely bad accident. So my husband is extremely injured. And... The doctor comes out at one point and I mean, I do not know this guy. I don't, I really like, we've been on a couple of dates, like nothing serious, just pretty, you know, like casual. And the doctor comes out and he's like, so here's the thing. He ruptured his bladder in the accident. We need to decide whether or not we're going to operate on the bladder. So if we don't close the bladder, there's a risk that he'll have sepsis and death. But if we do do the surgery, there's a risk of lifetime impotence and incontinence. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I don't even know how the guy likes his coffee. So I don't think I should be making these decisions for him, you know? And that's when I, because I had sort of thought like, I won't call his parents until we know more because I don't want to 
I mean, if he's not going to make it, like, it's like, I was trying to get a little more information. So I wasn't just calling to be like, we don't know anything, but it looks really bad. And by the way, they're in Texas, but they're not up the street. Right. They're in Texas. We're California. That's right. So it's like, they're not going to be here until the next day anyway. And so at that point I was like, yeah, I think we better call some people who know him a little bit better to make these decisions. <laughs> Cause I could just picture me being like, yeah, go ahead with the surgery. And then he pulls through and he's like, thanks a lot, girl. I dated for four weeks. Now I'm impotent and incontinent for life. <laughs> and did you like chit chat? Did you like all hang out in the room together and like get to know each other? Or were- Oh, for 10 days. Yeah. Cause you're like, I kind of can't leave. That'd be kind of not nice, but this is also weird. No. Yeah. I mean, we just hung out in the hospital room all day, every day. Yeah. Because I didn't really want to leave. Like we'd been in the accident together and I did like the guy, you know, it wasn't like I was like, I got to get out of this. Right. Okay. You weren't, yeah. <laughs> Lose the guy. <laughs> Lose the guy. I was also like 37 and single. And I was like, uh, this might be my last shot. Like I better hold on. <laughs> So let's see how the bladder works out. I'm like, let's see if the impotence and incontinence <laughs> thing pulls through because this might be my only shot. Like I'm really long in the tooth at this point and like beggars can't be choosers, you know. And also his face was crushed in the accident. So I was like, let's see how that turns out too. Good Lord. He had to have full facial reconstructive surgery. He's like, uh, oh my God, I was just going to say that this is the most old deluxe of old deluxe alerts. Back in my day. Steve Austin, the bionic man. Yeah, that's pretty old deluxe. But yeah, he's pretty much Steve Austin. Everyone's like, do you mean stone cold Steve Austin? And we're like, no, no, young folk. Long before there was a stone cold Steve Austin, there was the original Steve Austin. I forget what happened to him. The bionic man. They could build him better, stronger, faster. And then they show him running like 100 miles an hour. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. No one knows what we're talking about right now. So that's your husband is what we're saying. So anyway, it worked out. He came out of a coma, but even though he was like out of a coma, he had to have like six, you know, not six. He probably had to have three major surgeries. It wasn't like he was like chatting. He was unconscious the entire time basically. And so, yeah, it was like, get to know you friends and family edition. Did you go back to the hospital parking lot to get engaged? We should have, but we didn't. We got engaged in his hometown. <laughs> Maybe better to leave it behind. I mean, it all worked out fine, but it was definitely not the memory. In fact, the accident happened September 23rd. And so that was always sort of like a big date for us. And then when my son, you know how every Ella DeGeneres bit, like she like builds something in the beginning and then she circles back and that's what makes it so great. It's just about what we're going to do here, Amy. My son, who was so overdue when I was eating the fried shrimp in the beginning of our story, he was due on September 12th. And I kept being like, he's going to be born on the 23rd, which would have been the second anniversary of the accident. But he wasn't. He was born on the 25th. (laughs) But basically, the thing that happened is like, I was 36, I guess, when we started dating, single. And I was sort of like, ha, I don't know if this is going to happen because like, I'm 36 and single. Like, how am I going to meet someone, court them, get married, get engaged, have a wedding, and then have kids? Like, I'm running out of time. And then I met David in May or June. And we dated like a couple times over the summer. And then we went out on like two more serious dates in September. And we had had the conversation of like, okay, let's start dating. And then the accident was like the next day. And then he didn't get better until like December. And then we got engaged early in the next year and we got married that year. So we moved it right along. You moved it right along. You got it all scheduled at the same time. Yeah. Like between the time we met and got engaged was like less than a year and a half. I mean, between the time we met and I was pregnant with the first baby was a year and a half. There was like an accordioning of events that happened. Is that a word? You know what I mean? Like there Yes. No, the space-time continuum ripped and I like got shot forward in time. Right. It's amazing. But see, this is why I love talking to you, Margaret, because I have heard bits and pieces of this story several times over the last two and a half years because I'm like, I sit at her feet like crisscross applesauce and clap my hands and be like, tell the story again about... And every time I hear this story, there are new details that I haven't heard before. I am still learning from you, Margaret. It's a deep well. There's probably a lot more still in there, but yeah, no, it all worked out. I mean, 
It definitely all worked out. And we always joked that our wedding vows were like, for better or for worse, yeah, check, right. done that. Sickness is in health, yeah, check, got it. You know, like we did a lot of the hard stuff Steep up Steep incline from here. Yeah, or like hopefully some downhill, downhill ahead in a good way, coasted. I forgot to keep track of who won the true or false game, but I think we all won because we learned even more about each other today. We all won. <laughs> it's a perfect place to end. Guys, thank you so much for listening to us for a hundred episodes. It's been so much fun. We love it and we just keep growing. And one of the ways we do that is we find you on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash what fresh hellcast. Right. And in our Facebook group, which is just so much fun. It's just like fans of the podcast fellow moms, lifting each other up, giving each other great advice and making each other laugh with funny memes. And it's a thousand members strong. After just about a month, we, we already have a thousand members and we're really excited about that. So come join us. Be part of the more than thousand. And then we're on Instagram at What Fresh Hell Cast. And on Twitter, we more like, you know, tweet like interesting parenting articles and studies and stuff. So you're, if you're into that stuff, you can find us on Twitter at WFH podcast. And we won't really have show notes for today, but you can always find all our past episodes. All the research we talk about is always on our website, whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. And I'm going to put a picture of Moxibus. I might even have the picture of me doing it, but that might be too far in the archives, but I will put a <laughs> Moxibustion picture up so that people can see the crazy. Send us your Moxibustion pictures, everyone. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 